0: Hi, I'm Bec Rayner and this is the Military Life Podcast. A podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. To find your closest branch, visit defencebank.com.au. Partner employment. If it was a relationship on socials, it would be listed as it's complicated. It's an area that almost all ADF partners will face challenges in at one point or another, whether it be because of relocation, unconscious employer bias, the extra responsibilities we take on that may restrict us and our capacity. And the list goes on. The last ADF family survey showed 14% of ADF partners are unemployed, double the unemployment average. 12% are underemployed and 81% say they have made employment sacrifices because of their partner's ADF career. And those stats were collected in 2017, pre-COVID. But behind the scenes, there are people working to break down employment barriers for partners. People like the team at Defence Families Australia who advocate for more initiatives to assist partners to gain and maintain meaningful employment and are working to educate Australian businesses on what they can do to recruit, hire and retain partners as valuable employees. People like National Employer Defence Bank who in 2019 received the PM's excellence in supporting spouse employees Award, but have also made it their mission to go above and beyond just ticking the boxes of being a partner-friendly employer by providing partners with next-level career support, benefits and workplace policy. And people like career practitioner Churchill Fellow and Defence Partner Amanda McHugh, who is leading the way in this space with her research into partner employment overseas in the hope of improving employment outcomes for Australian partners. So let's start by talking about the key areas of partner employment DFA are focusing their advocacy work on. Welcome National Convener, Marie Sirua.
1: A number of years ago, using what we had learned from talking with some of our overseas allies, as well as our work with Churchill Fellow Amanda McHugh, who worked with us to help us understand partner employment, we decided to get very clear about what we were advocating for. So we identified three key areas to address partner employment. So the first one is job readiness, such as resume writing in interview and career coaching. The second one is education for employers on the business case for hiring an ADF partner and the policies and procedures they can implement to assist partners gain and maintain meaningful employment. And three, monitoring and fostering the connection of of partners with ADF partner-friendly employers. So we have DCO's Partner Employment Assistance Program addresses that key area one. So in terms of what DFA does, that's why we've stepped into those key areas number two and three, because that's where we saw the need.
0: There are things we as partners can do to give ourselves the best chance when it comes to finding and securing meaningful employment. That's employment we want to be in. A career in the field we may have trained and studied in. A job that will allow us to be as fulfilled as our military members. Welcome, career practitioner Amanda McHugh. Talk us through how we should be approaching employment and career at the moment. Like, is all hope lost? What, do, what should, should we be doing in, in that regard?
2: As we've all seen, the changes have been huge. And so I think what we're now all doing is um, managing and adjusting our expectations. The pandemic is affecting everybody, but it's affecting us all differently. And so, you know, I saw a great Facebook meme that was talking about for some people, this is a shower and for other people, this is a storm. So I guess the way that you deal with it is really individual. So, you know, some people need, may need to be working right now, right? The, the thing, the priority might be the income and getting a job and it may not matter which job. Others might take this time to think about what they want to do down the track and others are really just putting careers on hold while they're focusing on different or other priorities. And, you know, so it's all okay and everybody just needs to approach it the way they can. And I think, you know, for most of us, we're kind of focused on right now rather than future planning. Because I think one of the ways that we manage anxiety, right, is to focus on what we can control and not what we can't control. Yeah. And so we can't control all of these changes that are happening around us. But the, some of the things that we can control are, you know, how we respond to it and how we plan and probably more than anything else it's how we prepare right because we can respond in the immediate and if we have the capacity to right now we can prepare and plan for the future but i think it's really important to stay focused on what we can control and that's about what we have to offer to employers we can control how much we know about the job market right we can do our research and we can understand that And then that gives us a better idea of how we match what people are looking for in the job market. And that means that we can kind of prepare to not just address right now, if you need to address right now in a job, but also, you know, maybe what happens on the other side of this.
0: So if we're not one of those people that need to just get a job straight away for financial reasons or whatever the reason is that you just need to do whatever you can get at the moment, and you are one of those people that, have decided that okay now is not the right time for me to make that move to that new job or we've just moved to a location but now is not the right time for the you know positions that I might have been applying for or not no one in that field is hiring at the moment or it's a pause what can we do in the background so we're prepared when the time is
2: right so I think there's a, a few things that we can do so I think being prepared you know that's kind of the the aim here We can start with just doing a quick career health check. Are you where you want to be? What are are the goals that you have? Where would you like to be, you know, in your ideal world? What would you be doing? But then have a look and say, well, you know, how ready are we for job applications? Um, You know, do we have the right skills for what we want to do? So I think, um, you know, taking the time to reflect and explore your, your own skills, but not just your skills, but your interests and your values, because they obviously influence a lot of our career decisions. In more practical terms, we can update all those job search documents, you know, our resumes, our LinkedIn profiles, being able to write a cover letter and personalize that for for jobs, training and upskilling, you know, is there something that you want to do if you identify that there's a gap between what you're able to do and what an employer is looking for in that field that you want to do so you know maybe this is the time to take advantage of training or to prepare to train i think one of the most important things regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or not is to stay professionally connected so to network with the people that are in your profession, outside of your profession. look. some of the benefits from being connected professionally, um, a lot of jobs aren't advertised. Mm -hmm. So knowing people can be a way of being made aware of jobs that you didn't know about. People can be your bridge people to those jobs. You know, they can make a referral or introduce you to a job or a business opportunity i'm not assuming everyone's in paid employment and it's also a way to research the job market you know by Mm. staying connected you get to talk to people about their field and and what's involved and what they need in an employer one of the things we could all be doing right now is brushing up on technology you know everyone well not everyone but a lot of people are yourself
0: through a zoom call (laughs) so you know how it works absolutely
2: learn how zoom and and google meet and microsoft teams work look at some of these apps that companies use especially if they're going remote things like slack and trello research that job market understand who's hiring how it's changing yep. even if you're already employed you know what's happening in your industry for military spouses service or
0: something that we can make use of is the partner employment assistance program can you talk us through i guess for those that may not have accessed it before because they've been out of the workforce or they haven't needed it because they they got a job and they hadn't needed the the extra help or the use of those services?
2: PEAP or Partner Employment Assistance Program. So that is the funding program that is provided by Defence to support partner employment. And it's in recognition that we move around and that that can make getting jobs difficult. Right now, it's $1,500 worth of funding to access professional support. And it's administered through DCO. It covers a range of things, but just to give you an example of what people have been using their funding for, it can be used to get your resume updated. It can be used to get interview coaching. It can be used to get advice on job search. So, you know, working with a professional that can help you understand the labor market and you know, who's hiring and what employers are looking for, especially, you know, that might be overall, but you know, in your local area, it can be to help you identify your transferable skills. Now, traditionally it's been available to eligible spouses based on a posting order. So you're eligible for it when a posting order comes through and up to two years in location which is fantastic it went from 12 months to two years Mm. now my understanding at the moment and I would make sure that you talk to DCO and ring the family helpline to get the details my understanding that is in response to COVID-19 they have opened it up to people at any point in the posting cycle it has to be through a professional provider of services you need to get a quote from that provider and hand that into DCO and then when it's approved, then you can go ahead and engage in those services and DCO will cover the cost up to the approved amount. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to just be one provider. And I think that's really important because you know different providers will have different services or meet your needs in a different way. So it can be multiple different quotes up to that $1,500 funding. It's definitely something people should be exploring right now. There's lots of career information out there online, but we know that career services that are provided by professionals, Professionals are more effective. And we know that job seekers that get professional support are more likely to get a job. And I think the beauty of this program is that it lets you find the service providers that meet your needs and you can go and work with them one on one. Amanda also
0: talks about some of the ways we can stay ahead of the game when it comes to career by connecting
2: and networking online and accessing free resources. LinkedIn, I think, is a fantastic tool for a number of reasons. You know, networking is a its primary function, right? It's online networking. Um, and networking kind of scares people off a little bit, but it's not really. It's about relationship building and staying in touch with people. And definitely LinkedIn should be something that you can should consider when um, getting yourself set up for a job search. It is a fantastic way of first and foremost, having an online presence. That's mm. becoming more and more important to companies that you have sign up a platform somewhere and your LinkedIn profile can be that. It's a great way of communicating and marketing marketing your skills in a broader sense than what you can do with your resume. So a resume is very tailored for a specific job and LinkedIn is far more broad. So you're you're aiming at a broader audience. You get an idea of what's happening in industries, but with particular employers, you can follow an employer and get those updates in your feed. In terms of relationship building, you know, you, you can network across the world. You know, people that you might know from your university days or your high school days or your previous jobs. These are people that can, you know, vouch for your skills and your attributes. So, you know, it's got a lot to offer. And obviously the beauty of it all is it's online. And so for a community like ours that's dispersed and operates, I think, very much online, I think it's a really great tool. And don't forget, it's essentially a job board too. Employers advertise and recruit directly through LinkedIn. So you can actually use the job search tool in there. You can let recruiters know that you're open to opportunities. You can apply directly directly to jobs online. You can keep track of what's being advertised by companies. So, you know, it's really a great tool. And I think if you're kind of getting back into the workforce, I'd definitely consider it.
0: Marie from DFA talks us through some of the challenges partners face when it comes to employment and ADF life.
1: So there's, if you're being moved all the time, that inability to maintain periods of uninterrupted employment and gain seniority, the increased family responsibility workload due to a serving member's commitment. So your working life can be impacted depending on the ADF member, how much they're away, for example. The negative influences of geographic posting locations on the amount and type of work. We have some bases in some really remote locations and regional locations, and that can definitely impact the type of work childcare availability. In one of our locations uh, at one time when I was visiting, I had a group of spouses tell me that we have to live here. This is the school that our children go to and there's no before and after school care. So these are some of the things that we've had to adapt. Also the workload associated with relocating that can influence job searching and or availability to work. And also employer bias that we have some employers who are reluctant to hire spouses due to this perceived notion that they won't be around long enough so that it's not worth hiring them. So definitely there is a complexity to this issue.
0: Defence Bank employee and spouse Beth also talks about how in the past she experienced pushback from a former employer because she was an ADF partner. Did you find that because obviously the locations that spouses, you and I, are looking for jobs in they are heavily populated with defense members and defense families did you find that might have been harder to come across work because you were a spouse obviously it takes time when you get to a new location to find work those employers might be thinking oh well how long will you be around for and then you know when you finally do get a position you might be heading off a year and a half
3: later or however long it's taken you to get a position. I guess for me that the dreaded interview question is especially when you're new to a location and I can see that on your resume that you know you previously worked here and now you live here uh, the dreaded question is well, why did you move um, I'm all about honesty you know I'd say my partner is a, a defense member and that is the reason that we moved and generally the questions that I get after that one straight away is well how long are you going to be in this location because they know that it's a transient lifestyle I mean I have worked since we got to WA I had an interview and it's just a what job can I get any interview is fine I'm going to go through it, kind of panic, get a job, kind of you know scenario. And she maybe promised essentially to stay for X amount of time, um, and quite bluntly told me that she would prefer to hire someone local instead of someone that is transient and will be moving on eventually. And even got to the point that when I, I did move on from that position to come to Defence Bank, she sort of quoted the, well, you said you'd be here for three years. I knew this would happen. Won't be hiring Defence again. So yeah, it has been difficult. Despite some of the challenges partners might face when it comes to employment, career
0: practitioner Amanda says partners often have highly sought after skills. Hey, Military Wife Life community. I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defense Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defense community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses, such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defense Community Dogs Program, a specialized dog training program, which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life.
2: Three things that employers have identified to the LMIP that they're looking for is qualifications. We're becoming a more and more skilled workforce. I think that's one of the when we talk about the changing world of work, that's one of the things that has changed dramatically. We're getting more and more skilled, the requirements for skilled workers are increasing. But really important is employability skills. And this is where I think ADF partners are really marketable. Employability skills are those things that don't relate necessarily to the occupation, things like problem solving, creativity, yeah. adaptability, <laughs> flexibility, you know, all the buzzwords, right, like that we had, they are really important. More important, I think, than most job seekers take into consideration. Yeah. So they are things that you want to be marketing. And the other thing is experience.
0: Defence Bank Executive Manager, Kristen, says they have always looked at the unique skill set ADF partners bring to the table as an absolute positive
4: hats off to spouses and how they manage to move around, do without their partners. you know we we have a really healthy respect for the job they do as being solo parents. It's, it's a hard gig, i don't I don't envy them. And we have a high proportion of females in in our frontline working staff, so those are the the branch staff that you'd see around Australia. I've worked here for twenty one years, so from my perspective, I've always just it's just been the thing we did. We looked after, we had spouses that moved around, and we knew that they every couple of years, we might lose some, we might try and pick up some. So from my perspective, when we read resumes, you can usually spot a spouse, um, in the, the, both by the location that they've worked at, and every couple of years you tend to see them obviously moving around in their job. So you know, that brings with it a completely different skill set that I think it's a really you know, old-fashioned traditional view that employees might have, that they're not going to bring a, a skill set that's widely sought after. So from my perspective, you know, they're, they're flexible, they're more willing to give to the workforce if we give to them. They're really resilient because they have to, as I said, often be solo parents juggling everything, and that's no mean feat. They're organised. There's all these cool things that they have. Many times they don't have banking for us, but we've had to sort of tailor our training so that we can make sure that we're training them in that space. We've tried to focus more on that and make sure that we're not just looking for bank employees that have you know, been at you know, one of the big four. We don't just look for spouses, but we certainly we welcome them with open arms.
0: It's clear Defence Bank's attitude toward the employment of partners is one of the reasons they're considered a partner-friendly employer. But what exactly is a partner-friendly employer? Marie from DFA explains.
1: A defence partner-friendly employer is one who understands and values the business case for hiring and retaining defence partners. They are aware of and avoid bias against partners. They recruit for skills and not chronological work history. They source and recruit via various methods. They offer flexible work practices and leave policies. They offer portable career options and they endeavour to retain a defence partner as employees on posting or other defence-related changes in circumstances. So to give you an example, a number of our employers thinks that they've looked at is their hiring practices. So are they using automated computer programs which look for dates? And if they see dates too close together, then an automatic assumption is made. They're not a valuable employee because look how often they've changed jobs. Well, we actually know that you're still getting a great employee. They've potentially just needed to follow an ADF person around the country on posting, that it's not an indication of somebody who isn't committed to their working life. And why is this important? Because employers are part of the solution to this. So one of the things that has really stood out for me from working with Amanda McHugh, reading her Churchill Fellowship, talking to our partners who are doing similar things in other countries, is there's no one simple solution to this issue. It actually requires effort on multiple fronts. And so employers are the ones who who make the decision to have a defence partner as part of their environment. And so they're important because they're a decision maker. Some employers just don't realise that partners are there with these particular needs. I want to make it very clear too that we are not advocating for handouts to our partners. What we're saying is there is this wonderful cohort of employees there ready to tap into. So as one, one employer said to us, because I said, we're not asking you to give jobs to people who are not qualified. We're asking for the opportunity to not have any systematic barriers be in place that prevent you from seeing that this wonderful employee is there.
0: Also today, I mean, with technology and all that um, is accessible to employers and employees, it wouldn't be out of the box to think that by hiring a spouse that is qualified for the job and that job can be done remotely, as at the moment we've seen more and more jobs can be done remotely if they have to be because of isolation and lockdown that that spouse if they are proved to be a good employee which why wouldn't they be if they are qualified for the job that that spouse couldn't then take the job with them if they post to another location and they've got a, an employee that's Dedicated to the job, has the skills, and is going to be committed to that company because they are able to take the job with them. I
1: think it was last year somebody was telling me that the stats nowadays is that the average time a person's in a job is three years anyway. The world of work has changed, that people are not in the same job for life. So, again, it's just education. And again, you talked about COVID 19 and a lot of people are working from home anyway. This is, you're right, this is potentially quite an opportunity to change and that it's it's made employers see on a larger scale a member of the DFA executive she tells the story about how a number of years ago she was with a great employer and her husband got posting orders and so she went to the employer and said I think I can do this job remotely well she was the first person in that entity that employer who had ever done it. Now they were willing to take the chance and they invested in some equipment and that sort of thing, and that actually worked for her for quite a period of time through several postings. So again, it just comes back to we're just asking some employers to perhaps think of ways of working that they just may not have thought of before.
0: So I asked a defense bank employee and spouse Beth, what kind of difference it makes when you have a supportive employer who just gets defense life. Last year, Defence Bank won the Excellence in Supporting Spouse Employment Award at the Prime Minister Veterans Employment Awards to see that others are acknowledging the ways they are supporting partners and, and hopefully leading the way for other businesses to see that by supporting spouses, you're opening up this whole avenue of partners who have these skills available that, you know, pick up all of these skills and have these careers and qualifications in different locations and life experiences. Experience and all that comes with being a military family or a military spouse. So can you tell us some of the ways Defence Bank support partners and have supported you, I guess, within that? Like what makes them a spouse spouse friendly employer?
3: I think the most important one for Defence Bank is portable career options that they offer. They accept that we do move um, often and fortunately, Defence Bank have branches on the vast majority of military bases. So, where practical, Defence Bank will endeavour to relocate Defence partners due to the posting cycles, which really gives you the opportunity to actually develop a career within a company um, because you're not having to bounce from company to company every two to three years that you move. For myself personally, um, Defence Bank have had a new initiative. It's called Finzio, which is like a, a finance education kind of business, I guess. And it's a course in basic fundamentals of banking um, and show that, you know, they're so willing to invest and in support in my learning and development and ultimately have given me the opportunity to develop a career is really amazing. And even if those, you know, portable career options aren't available to me, because positions aren't always available, they've given me the tools to almost have a bit of leverage on other candidates in other financial institutions so I think that's very important. Defence Bank Executive
0: Manager Kristen talks about how they're going above and beyond to support partners.
4: we tailored specific policies so we created a which I think is rather market-leading. I haven't seen anyone else do this. With parental leave, because we're usually talking about a female workforce, we changed our eligibility from 12 months to six months, meaning that you only had to be with us six months just after probation to be eligible to take parental leave. We were finding a few people resigned um, just shy of 12 months that were spouses, so we decided to reduce that eligibility. On parental leave, same goes for flexible work arrangements, so you only need to be here for six months to apply for that, and that might be changes that we're working hours to fit in with young kids. We created other things internally like their own community group. So we've got an internal community group where they can just talk to other spouses. We created an internal posting form so you could officially notify the business, I'm posting, this is where I'm going, didn't have to just be a conversation, it was a formal process, so they felt like we were recognising it and making sure that we didn't miss any. We created an internal career centre as well as a Defence Partners career centre externally, so it's got its own branding, it's got its own stories. If you were a spouse trying to break into Defence Bank, you could read stories from other spouses as to what, what do they enjoy about working here. So we've tried to share the stories of people already working here, so you know, I'm really so impressed by the effort that we've made to try and really focus on in this group, which is why we've connected to businesses like Defence Families of Australia. Anything we can do to give back to this group adds value across the board, to both them but also to us as as a business.
0: So how does an employer get recognised as partner-friendly? Marie from DFA explains why not just any business gets the tick of approval.
1: So it's a combination of we have some employers approaching us because they actually realize that there is this great talent pool there and they want to be able to access it. Other times we are approaching employers. We are looking, generally speaking, looking for employers in multiple states. So not every employer comes to us do we accept because we don't necessarily want too many double ups or the nature of their work we don't think is quite suitable or they're very regionally specific. So we are looking for employers who can offer those opportunities to move around or stay within the company in multiple locations. So we actually have a memorandum of understanding so when once that approach is made it starts the process of talking about this, looking at how our employer runs and we do have memorandum of understanding that we ask them to sign up to because we do check in with them as to how it's going.
0: If you have had an employer sign up to be a a partner friendly or you know they've got the tick of approval and they are a partner friendly employer how do partners actually find out about the jobs that they might have available?
1: So it can be a mixture of, of things primarily what's happening at the moment is we have links to those employers on our website so partners can look check out our website and those links go through to the employment sections of their own websites and then we've asked them all to then look at their processes so to look at is there ways for partners to self-identify for example or for them some of them may set up a specific email so that they know that all the applications they get through that avenue have come from partners. So it can vary a little bit with our employers but generally speaking access that through our website.
0: Defence Bank employee and partner Beth says employers coming on
3: board and being recognised as
0: partner-friendly is a win-win.
3: I'd say to other employers that the benefits of supporting us is that I mean Defence Bank worked directly with the Defence Force but even if it's just a very civilian normal employer you know I'm extremely dedicated to Defence Bank because they've taken the chance on me um, and haven't treated me any differently to a a non-Defense spouse they've given me an opportunity to develop a career not only just by offering me the position um, but also the continued support that I've had since with different qualifications and experiences that I've had. I'm 100% committed to the brand. Ultimately, I, I don't feel like I owe Defence Bank anything, but I will always go the extra mile for them simply for the fact that they've offered me a career. And naturally, I respect any company that are willing to support military families in any aspect. Defence Bank Executive Manager
0: Kristen says being able to provide a workplace partners feel supported is so rewarding.
4: I'm really proud of the work that we do in this space. It's exciting to see the difference we make to specific individuals that I know that have worked with us for a number of years. They've moved locations, they've been promoted, they're still here. There's this camaraderie in the frontline workforce where they truly come to work feeling supported by their teammates. It's just different to anywhere else. So we can provide that that's just that's really awesome thing
0: i so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode there are definite ups and downs to military life but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together we are all just doing our best so until next week you got this let's do this together one day at a time Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things,